podcast john is my name and ian is my name and before we get into the week's news ian i just want to mention something to bring a bit of joy oh because last night i was sat and i was reading a book and stuff and then i thought you know i'm gonna watch a film Mm. and i watched what i would say is probably one of the top five films of all time last night i want candy no, sadly not. But it's a film that I just thought to myself, I haven't watched this in, in, in about 15 years. And yet, I don't know why, because it's utterly brilliant. And it was, do you want to take one guess? You can have one guess what I watched. Gross Point Blank. Oh, no, that is also one of the top five films of all time, but not that. Indiana, Indiana right, Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, the one with Connery in it? The one with Connery in it. I thought, because I was looking on Amazon Prime, just thinking, mm-hmm. what will I watch tonight? And there it was. And I was thinking to myself, normally I would have skipped past an Indiana Jones film, thinking to myself, I've seen this 57 times already. But I just thought, you know what, I'm going to watch that. You know, Connery died a few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. although he had very questionable attitudes towards women, he was a fantastic movie star. He was. And, um, and I thought, like, I'll watch this. And for the first, from the first minute when River Phoenix comes on screen as young Indiana oh. Jones, I was just like, I'm safe here. You know, yeah. Spielberg behind the camera. Lucas not allowed to write the script, but just map out a story. Ford at the top of his game. Connery at the top of his game. Oh, it was absolute joy. Oh, do you know, I envy you because I couldn't do that. Why? I would have to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Temple of Doom before I watched The Last Crusade. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I honestly have like film series OCD where oh. if I want to watch a film in a series, I, I have to before it. Which well, is terrible, like for Star Wars. If I want to watch The Last Jedi, I have to watch <laughs> about 10 films when I get to that. Well, you see, I can understand that when it tells a saga. Hmm. So, like, for example, you wouldn't want to watch Return of the King without watching Fellowship and, and Two Towers first. Yeah, but, that's true. But this doesn't really have a narrative. Indiana no, Jones doesn't it, have a narrative It's arc. more. It's more like a James Bond film where you could just dip in and dip out. Yeah, I mean, oh, blimey, if you want to watch the new James Bond film when it comes out, you have to watch, have to watch 21 20, films. 20-odd films? No. <laughs> no. Uh, but no, I mean, I just highly recommend to our right. listener, if you okay. just... It, I mean, today, I mean, people won't be able to listen to this on Sunday afternoon per se, but it's a Sunday afternoon as we record. Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade for a Saturday afternoon, next Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. or if you're on furlough... Well, you might be... It's a, long, week. it's a long weekend here in Scotland. Just now. Ah. So there may be people who are not going to work tomorrow or people who, like you say, are working from home or have been furloughed again. Oh, There's it's... a perfect remedy to beat the yeah. winter blues. I mean, obviously you can watch Raiders of the Lost Ark instead because I'm sure that's of equal quality. I just haven't seen that for a few years. Or the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, no. They're still, they are still talking about making a fifth Indiana Jones film. And I think they probably will. Although, as I watched that, I was like, Harrison Ford must be 20 years older than Sean Connery was yeah. when he made, you know, and, well, and the I watched star that he's I old. Know, I, know. <laughs> I watched that film, The Call of the Wild, 
You know the one with the oh, dog? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And he's brilliant in that. But he's, you know, clearly a very old, very old. I mean, he's about 80 now. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's in his 80s. I mean, he looks good for someone that's in his 80s. Yes. But imagine Joe Biden playing Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's about the same age. I know, yeah. I, know, I know Joe Biden did that funny wee run up to the stage. But imagine Joe Biden with one of those hats and a whip. You just can't imagine it, can you? No. I mean, they could do it very clever. I mean, there are clever ways they could do it. As long, I mean, if they got somehow, instead of getting Shia LaBeouf mm. to play his son, if they got Ryan Gosling... Yeah, get someone good. Get a good actor who's funny and has the has the chops. Get yeah. a Gosling or a DiCaprio, somebody like that to play his son. Yeah. Then you're talking. Does, yeah. Exactly. And he doesn't have to do a lot of running or, you know, he could just wear the hat and look cool. Yeah. And it he would could, work. He could play the Sean Connery part and be in the sidecar. Exactly. <laughs> with an umbrella. <laughs> Shooting the birds with the umbrella. But one of the things about the film is it zips along so fast. Yeah. yeah. Like it's flying along and you're kind of thinking, oh, we're almost at the end now. I wow. can't believe we're almost at the end. Um, you know, it just flies along. It's, 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 but at the same time, it's not. It's that way that the, the filmmaking has changed is that the camera shots are much longer. Yeah. There's not so many cuts, cut, cut, cut. It's 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 much a you know it's a more well, patient storytelling. It was made for it was made for a generation of children who didn't have ADHD, which is what unfortunately today's blockbusters yeah. are designed for kids who. I, I, that, I don't mean they've got ADHD, but like children have a very low attention span because oh, of the exactly. nature of the media they consume. I mean, I mean, we're now at the point where kids they don't. I mean, I imagine if you asked a kid what their favourite film is, they would tell you a 12-second TikTok film was their favourite film. <laughs> yeah. And one of the interesting things to, to, to really show that change is to watch, um, if you go back and watch The Jungle Book or uh, Robin Hood, the Disney's Jungle Book yeah. and Robin Hood, and, um, and then watch, say, um, Moana or Frozen or anything yeah. like that, the number, the, the the speed at which the the camera mm. goes in, in in the newer ones. I mean, Jungle Book seems so slow. Yeah. When you watch, I mean, some of that is to do with technology as well. But of course, but it is. You're right. There is a kind of lingering patience to films that were made mm. even back in the eighties and early nineties when we were we. There was definitely. Yeah. I mean, you think about some of our favorite films, things like Stand by Me. That's a very slow film. And it's yeah. a very slow burning film. And I haven't, it's one of these films I'd quite like to show the kids, but I reckon they just find it boring. Because if I tell them, if they say, what's it about? It's about these four boys who go camping and they, they know there's a dead body in the forest and they get chased by a dog and, they, <laughs> and, they, and there's a bit where they get chased by a train. And that's basically the whole story. They'd be yeah. like, that sounds dreadful. I'm not watching that. I know. I mean, it will be interesting. I mean, I taught, I suppose, I mean, I've not taught for a long time now, but I taught a generation that are in their mid to late 20s, early 30s now. That's probably the generation I taught. Yeah, yeah. And they, and if you showed them Stand By Me, they did love it. Yeah. As, as a general sense. Well, that's they loved it. it. Yeah, you would say, like, that you were going to watch Jaws or something like that, and they'd be like, oh. Mm. But then once it starts, yeah, they're, they're hooked. Because it's a good, when, these are good films. When they were a captive audience, uh, yeah. they were hooked. The one thing, just before we move on to the actual week, is the one of the funniest things in, in, in Lost Crusade. I mean, not funny as in the script is very funny, but I sat there watching it, and just as they reached the sort of end point, the last action scene, if you like, of the film, um, the four main hero characters, if you like, are stood in front of the 
where the grail is kept. And I was thinking to myself, this is really funny is that me and all, all my friends of the age and, and yourself who's same generation, I'm sure all your friends in the summer of 1989 or whenever it was, absolutely loved this film, thought it was amazing. But actually the four heroes are all <laughs> mid to late middle-aged men. Dan of Elliot is one of the main characters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Again, yet we were transported with these but people. But that's the thing, I don't think my kids would sit and watch a film where the main actors were all the youngest is probably our age now. And Harrison yeah. Ford's probably in his mid forties at that point. And then yeah. you've got Sean Connery, you've got Denim Elliott, and is it Jonathan Reese Davis? Yeah, Jonathan Reese Davis, yeah. yeah. So yeah, these guys are all in their fifties and sixties. <laughs> and they're the heroes of the film. Yeah. But, but we love them. I remember there was, a sticker, there was a sticker album for mm-hmm. Jones Last Crusade. I didn't have it, my friend had it. And um, and I remember us leafing through it in that early summer of 1989, getting really excited. Is looking that, at pictures of late middle-aged men. Is that the one with no ticket? Yes. Yeah, I love yes. that bit. Chucks the guy off the, the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, um, mm. I just wanted to have a little bit of, of laughter and joy because although there is hope with the vaccine, well, there's hope of the vaccine, but then when you look at the people who are in charge of organising the distribution of it, the hope <laughs> suddenly dissipates, doesn't it? Well, well one I... wonders, is it, is it going to be chumocracy too, where <laughs> the only people who get access to it are people who know Baroness Dido Harding? Is that what's going to happen? Well, exactly. Have, well, you worked, have you worked in senior management role in Sainsbury's? Here you go. Here is your vaccine. Do you, are you a member of the jockey club? Here is your vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's um, the one hope I did have again another slight moment of hope in the week is that I went to see um, my grandfather allowed mm-hmm. in a caring capacity uh, despite lockdown and uh, he'd had a phone call from his doctor surgery mm-hmm. asking him if he would be okay in having the vaccine Ooh. and um, they were getting in touch just to make sure would he be okay to come to the doctor surgery it will he be alright with that and that the the hope being is that he will be getting it next month. He actually had a phone call from the doctors. Wow. So, um, you know, it sounds like it might actually well, be Well, it does. Thing. I mean, they're, they're talking about Scotland. I mean, I, I heard Nicola Sturgeon and Jean Freeman say that they're hoping to get about a million folk done in December and January. And it's wow. when you actually hear those figures, I mean, I mean, obviously, we'll believe it when it actually happens, but the idea that there could be hundreds of thousands of people, vulnerable people, vaccinated in December is... Yeah. I mean, you're only talking about another two, three weeks away now. I mean, December's yeah. only a week away, but th- this the vaccination rollout they're talking about maybe doing it within the next two or three weeks to start it. So it does feel like there's a, a small light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And if the vulnerable are... This is, I mean... You've always got to sort of weigh weigh things up, but if if the vulnerable, like for the for example, the only person in my life currently, because I'm not allowed to see my parents because they're too far away, mm. but the only vulnerable person really is my grandfather. If he was test, if he was vaccinated, then there'd be such a weight off me. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know that's very selfish, but that sense of you can just go out and and you know, he's okay. So mm-hmm. if I have to go and see him, if I have to go and bring shopping to him or whatever then he's fine. If I get COVID, then I'll w- I'm willing to take my chances, if you like. Yeah. You know, in that sense, I don't want to burden the NHS, but I'm willing to take my chances that I'll probably be all right. Uh, well, I mean, you're quite hard. You'll be fine. 
<laughs> I've I'll be a drama queen about When it. I think of you, <laughs> I think of that sort of Brexit hard man Steve Baker. That's what I think of <laughs> is you, Steve Baker. Quite similar characters. <laughs> to be fair, I think I could take Brexit hard man Steve Baker I think, in a fight, to be honest. I think my nine-year-old child could probably take Brexit hard man Steve Baker in a fight. <laughs> So, but so, so there is a bit of hope there in the fact that the vaccine might be coming, and people are saying back to normal, and not Boris. I hasten to add, not Boris Johnson, but people who, yeah. you know, like you know, you, you spoke, I think, probably about four or five months ago now about the epidemiologists that you were listening to on the mm-hmm. on on the news who were very skeptical that. But then I think actually, I think what you were saying was maybe four or five months ago that you were very skeptical if by the turn of the year life would be getting back to anything like normal, yeah. uh, which he was correct about. Mm-hmm. However, the spring... Yeah. Well, that seems to be what they're... I mean, certainly Nicola Sturgeon and Jason Leach are the kind of Scottish version of Boris and Chris Whitty, um, except competent. They they have definitely been putting out the signal that they, they would hope that by early spring, things should be... I mean, maybe not completely back to normal, but certainly back to much more close to normal than we are right now um i I mean how do you feel about i mean the thing i mean i think we've talked about this already but there's a huge push in the media to talk about christmas all the time Mm. and anytime they get someone on the telly every time they get a politician on it was like in in march and april we talked about the fact that the journalists kept saying when are we going to lockdown when are we going to lockdown when are we going to lockdown and now it's just like, so we're going to be open for Christmas? Are we going to be all right for Christmas? Is everything going to be okay for Christmas? I mean, they're, right now they're talking about this thing where we might be, they might loosen things for five days. But they've said that to do that, there's then going to have to be 25 days after Christmas where we go into another lockdown. That seems like a stupid, just so you can go and eat turkey at someone's house. It just seems like a really, you know, almost another month of lockdown measures just so you can go and eat turkey with like family yeah. members. I, I do think what about my sort of feeling about this has always been, and it might be it might be a, the wrong thing to think. It probably is the wrong thing to think, but my thing is, don't they shouldn't have mentioned it. I don't think yeah. they should have bought into the narrative of Christmas because the thing about it is, is, and it's that Victoria Derbyshire thing where you know when everyone dived on her because she'd be like, we'll have seven people around, not six, on Christmas Day yeah. because that's the number of people we have in our family. So we're going to have seven rather than six. And I just think they shouldn't, by making a big deal of it, by by saying we're going to open up for five days, it will increase those mm-hmm. numbers hugely. However, if they just didn't really say anything, yeah. if they just put us back in our tears mm-hmm. um, and said, you know, I'll be in tier three when we come out of this lockdown, I'll still be there. I've been in tier three essentially since July. The thing about it is, is people around here would have still just had their Christmases that they would have wanted to have had. So what I'm saying is if if people are very fearful and they don't like the idea of the virus and they're very scared and they, they don't want to take any risks, then they won't have done. Hmm. The people that are thinking to themselves, do you know what? Actually, for the mental health of our family, it is better that we all get together on a day. We just need to spend some time together. We're, we're, we're stuck in our, you know, like our, our parents or our grandchildren or somebody around is suffering. So let's just get together for a day and we'll take the risk. Mm. We'll take the risk and we'll we'll do it. Um, then I think that people would have been able to do that. If you open up the country and you actually say we are open for business for five days, then the people that are fearful will feel that they have to do Christmas. Yeah. They'll still feel that they have to do Christmas because 
you know, their grandchildren or their mm -hmm. children or whoever or their you know, brothers or sisters will say, no, it's fine. They've opened up the country. We need to have Christmas Day together. Mm. You have to do this for mom and dad. Yeah. You know, we all have to get together. Um, and people will feel, won't feel that they can say no, I think. Yeah. People will feel like we have to do it. Also, it legitimizes the idea that, you know, I have a sister who lives in Wales, a mom who lives in Scotland, a dad who lives about 50 miles from where I live. If you open up the country for five days, it legitimizes movement. Mm -hmm. You could have all these people moving around. If you just basically turned a blind eye for a day, mm -hmm. people would get together in numbers larger than they should do by the rules. Yeah. But, but so they wouldn't could still have Christmases together. But they, they, they wouldn't take the rip. Well, they that's the thing. The and that's the thing. They're now talking about this kind of cross nation thing that they're trying yes. to build. I mean, I don't know how successful that will be given how. Boris has handled the devolved you know, administrations, <laughs> but they're hoping that the four devolved nations, or the, the three devolved nations and the master nation um, can, come up with some, <laughs> can come up with some plan whereby we all do the same thing so that your mum could come down to England yeah. if needs be. I, I mean, I think it, it, listening to the science again, the scientists are saying, yeah, that's fine, but we're going to pay for this in January. You can, yeah. I mean, I had, I read a piece in the Observer this morning, and it basically said, opening the country up for five days is going to kill thousands of people. It's as simple as that. It's a stark way of putting it, but that's what it's going to do. And I yeah. think, I think you're right that if they just kept the tier system in place, turned a blind eye to it, folk would go and see family members, but they wouldn't take the rip. Up. You wouldn't have people travelling across, you know, going from Scotland to England. You wouldn't have huge because they will if they just say, look, do what you want. People will be ridiculous, and they'll have like forty people for for Christmas Day. Yeah. I mean, personally, I mean, you know what my mum's like. I find Christmas Day stressful anyway because of my mum. Yeah. So the idea that I could actually have the excuse of, "Wow, well, we can't mix. You're you're old, and <laughs> we're not," you know. I mean, the thing is, I'm in a family of six. So we can't really mix with anyone anyway. It's brilliant. No, <laughs> there's six of us, <laughs> and if they include the, if they include the children in the six, we can't mix with anyone. So. I'm quite happy yeah. with that. But I think you're right. I think they should just turn a blind eye instead of feeding the narrative and speculating about it for we and it's all the it's, it seems to be the only thing they care about in the yeah. news is are we getting a normal Christmas? Not how you know how what are the practicalities of this vaccine program that's coming? Who's getting it? Where are they gonna get it? I mean, these yeah. are things that matter. Or yeah. or maybe looking at what's going on in the heart of government right now and properly <laughs> taking that apart instead all they're asking is will we be able to go and visit our family at christmas and yeah. eat brussels sprouts and turkey together yeah and i think that, that i mean my big i mean my big worry is that it's this five days thing because that's like to say it encourages movement across tiers it encourages mm. like don't get me wrong i know what i'm going to going to be doing on christmas day regardless of whatever the tier system is yeah. i know what i'm doing and i'm not going to be sat by myself Mm. Do you know what I mean? And nor am I just going to be with the one person that's in my support bubble. Yes. You know, I know that. I know what I'm doing on Christmas Day. And I know that it may well be, it would be breaking the rules if it was in tier three and yeah, we were yeah. sticking to what tier three was. But I also know that it would be done in a responsible way. And I that's think it. that that's what families will do. They will yeah. be responsible. And the, the people that will be irresponsible, if they see your system has been kept in place, will be irresponsible all the time anyway. They're not just going to be, yeah, exactly. They're going to be irresponsible now and they'll have been irresponsible for the last six months. It's not really going exactly. to make that much of a difference. No, and I think if you open up, it just legitimises that fact. And, and don't get me wrong, there is, 
a huge concern and a huge worry about if, I mean, what does that mean? What is, do those five days mean that hospitality can be open? Do they mean that Shops, there can be party nights or hotels? Yeah. So you can have like big, you know, the big 30, 40, 50, 60, 150 people in, mm. a, in a room in a hotel, um, you know, like with the party nights for those five nights. Is that allowed? I, I, um, well, they've not, I mean, we'll, we'll probably know this week. I mean, there's been hints. I mean, we don't know. I mean, we know that England certainly they're planning on going back to a, a stricter tiered system <laughs> on the second of December, but we don't know what that's going to be, and we're unlikely to find out until we read about it in the Daily Mail or the Sun at the end of this week. Well, exactly. And no doubt yeah. the details will get leaked to somebody there. Yeah, and that, but yeah, it's a lack of trust. I have such a lack of trust, and I also just think people need to be seen by other people. People need like. I get the idea that that we need to lift this because, you know, you live in a house with five other people and I'm sure that's very frustrating sometimes. Uh, But being surrounded by five people means that you do have that sense of of community. A lot of people don't have that. No, I know. Struggling with that. I mean, that's the difficulty I have commentating on it is that throughout the whole of the big lockdown, there was six of us in this house. So I didn't really get, I mean, yeah, that comes with its own frustration, living with four children. Um, yes. permanently when they're not at school um, that is difficult but uh, the isolation part didn't apply to me but I understand there are a lot of people, a lot of vulnerable people who need social contact and yeah. it does feel like we need to do something about that. Yeah and I, and I know people that who, who say and, and I can completely understand and I actually agree with them is that you know a couple of people whose health has suffered dramatically mm. Not because of COVID, but because of the lockdown. Yeah, I know. Uh, and not their mental health, their physical health as well, mm-hmm. because they don't feel there's much to live for. Yeah. The, reasons, the reasons that they go out of bed in the morning have disappeared, yeah. uh, which means that you do have to deal with that. But I, like I say, is I'm completely in agreement with you, is that to open up the country for five days so that there's 25 more days of lockdown... Oh. I just, I Which, just think that that's yeah, crazy. and you're going to get hard man Brexit, Steve Baker refusing to vote for it anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I suppose we should we should touch on one of our favourite political figures, um, <laughs> uh, Miss 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 Pretty Patel. Miss Pretty Patel, who this week we found has broken ministerial code. I remember when we did our previous podcast a couple of years ago. We covered her being sacked for breaking ministerial code when she yes. remember she went she went to Israel and she had meetings with Mr. Netanyahu that Theresa yes. May didn't know about. And started she was, her own foreign policy. She, she did, <laughs> and she was sacked. And you remember remember they were like tracking the plane coming back and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And we thought that was the end of her political career, and now, as Home Secretary, we find out this week that her behaviour fell very short of what's expected from the ministerial code she was guilty of bullying behavior inappropriate Uh behavior however she didn't know she was being a bully and no one told her she was being a bully so that's fine according to boris it's fine it's absolutely fine it's absolutely fine um despite the fact they never interviewed they never interviewed the man (laughs) who resigned because of her behavior who told her um, that uh, she needed to modify her behaviour because she was shouting and swearing at people. Yes. Well, that's right. He tried to speak to that man. I've forgotten his name. But, um, Charles... Yeah, I forgot his name. Charles something. Charles... Yes. Oh, 
Well, I don't is. know. Soft Charles. We'll call him Soft Charles a lot. Soft Charles. But yes, um, he um he wanted to speak to the this the, the, the he wanted to speak to this person who had resigned and was not given access to that. No, I think I don't know what you I mean, I, I imagine you probably had the same reaction to me. I think the 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 most horrible part is a stupid thing, but the most the bit that made me the most sickened was when I read Boris's WhatsApp message that he sent to all the cabinet. But oh. he said we need to form a square around the Pritster. I hated that. I hated that so much. I, I mean, if it. he'd said we need to make a square around Pritstick, mm. I would have liked to bear. That's a much better nickname. Yeah. Than the Pritster. The Pritz. And, and she does not look like someone or act like someone who encourages being called the Pritster. No. And what do they have nicknames for all everybody? Well, I mean, like, that, we, t- we talked about this last week. This was the thing they were saying about the, the, the culture that Dominic Cummings had brought. Was that yeah. kind of like that sort of schoolyard um, atmosphere where everybody has a nickname, um, and all the kind of good eggs have fun names like the Pritster. The Pritster. What do you think? Oh, what do you think? Oh what do you think Michael Gove's nickname is? Oh, I think it's just the Govester. The Govester. Yeah, probably because it's utterly unimaginative. No, the Govemeister. The Govemeister General. Govemeister General. That's what he'll want to be called. <laughs> what would Dominic Rab? Oh, Dom, just Dom, Dom, Dom. They'll call him something like the. It'll be something like Rab, no Rabist, or so. So it's almost oh. sounding like rapist because they'll think <laughs> that that's funny. Or like Rabbi, the, Rabbi Dom, Rabbi, yeah, Rabbi Dom, something like that. Because he's called Dominic as well. They won't want to have anything close to. They yeah, won't yeah. focus yeah, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Dom part. Rabbed for her pleasure. Yeah, something like that. Totally inappropriate. Oh, yeah. If it was his wedding anniversary, as soon as he walked back into cabinet the the, the next time, that's Johnson's first line. Mm. Was it robbed for her pleasure? (laughs) (laughs) Quite form a square around the pit (laughs) stuff. Oh, it's just it's just awful. And the thing is, it's not over yet. And this is typical of this government, is that I mean it's a long way off. But in August or September of next year, there's going to be an industrial tribunal Mm. about the the, the constructive dismissal of this civil servant, Sir Charles, where she will have to give evidence. It's going to be in public. Mm -hmm. And and what we're going to find in that is that her behavior was worse than we've discovered now. And she's going to have to go then. Yeah. But the thing is, none of it's going to go away. It's going to rumble on and rumble on and, and, and... well, he's had it, anything. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just going to be like hamstringing the government. But he's had it sitting on his desk for three months. He's yeah, had this report sitting on his desk for three months and apparently he just didn't want to deal with it because he knew it didn't look good for the Pritster. And she was already under fire for, you know, muffing up all those news briefings that she did during the first lockdown. Yeah. She got her figures wrong and she... And even that apology that she gave on Friday was another one of those mealy-mouthed kind of like, I apologise if my behaviour offended yeah. anyone it's not i apologize for my behavior remember before no. she said she was sorry if anyone yes. if anyone was upset by something or if anyone yeah. was, it wasn't that she was sorry for what she did she was no. sorry if anyone thought that she did this and it was the exact same she was like i want to give a fulsome apology i apologize if anyone thinks that my behavior was offensive not i apologize for behaving offensively but i apologize if you found my behavior offensive that in okay. itself is offensive it is offensive. You're right. Um, so yeah, so not not a good week. And the thing is, it's just going to run on and on, like you say. And we've got another almost year till this tribunal. 
Um, yeah. And it'll be, I mean, it'll be forgotten about. It's something. I mean, we haven't even touched on the whole thing where Boris at the start of the week said that Scottish devolution <laughs> was the worst thing that Tony Blair ever did. I mean, obviously, Boris doesn't remember the Iraq war, but yeah, Tony Blair's <laughs> biggest mistake was Scottish devolution, which he's obviously now, he's rode back on that as well and said, oh, I meant that the SNP, they're the, yeah. they're the biggest disaster, not, not devolution. Um, just... Oh. The level of incompetence, and the thing is, we're 40 days from Brexit. Yeah. We're 40 days, and we don't even know. I mean, apparently, I read somewhere that Boris doesn't even know if there's going to be a deal. Yeah. Well, they re- like, I, read how- a thing, I read a thing last night, and it was saying that they reckon there's going to be at least a partial deal. They've, they've yeah. sorted out some. I know it doesn't help that Michelle Barney's having to isolate just now because of COVID. No. Um, and Boris is obviously isolated because of COVID as well. Um, not that he's taking part in it. The discussions, but yeah, he, no. I don't think he cares. No, and and look, and and the whole idea of the the oh, the him having to isolate because he ha- was having face to face meetings with MPs from the north. Why and is getting, he doing that? And getting selfies with them as well. And getting selfies with them, yeah. Maybe they're not still two meters apart in those no, selfies. Either. No, not at all. Not at all. And don't get me wrong, we know that the two meters apart thing is if you spend longer than like fifteen minutes or something, mm-hmm. you know, closer than you know, you can yeah, get yeah, it and yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But even so, the point being is the rest of us have had to work on Zoom Absolutely. and at home and on Teams and all these different things. Why is he having meetings with Northern but MPs it's, it's in the, Downing Street? Exactly. It's the same as the Dominic Cummings driving to Barnum Castle. It's the whole do as I say, not as I do. Um yeah. ethos that he just seems to do everything by exactly it's oh, it is it's really rubbish so yeah so there's so many so many bad things but but, but there is indiana jones in that last is the crusade. last crusade to make it all okay <laughs> yeah anyway anyway thank you for listening listener thank I mean, you guys we, start, we started happy and sort of drifted this week sometimes we yeah. you know, go straight in this time at least there's yeah. a bit of good there was a bit of kind of like funny foreplay before we got to the grim stuff, which sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Something the Rab would know all about. You know? Oh, the Rab Meister uh... General, the Gov Meister General. I bet they're all the Something Meister General. You can imagine yeah, that. They are. Yeah, exactly. The Swain, oh, the Swain Meister General. <laughs> oh, the Trust Master General. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh dear anyway thank you listener we'll right, thanks for listening bye, so <laughs> right <laughs> goodbye thank everyone you. bye bye, bye.